Can you magnify the Lord Jesus Christ together? Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. God, we're so grateful and we're so thankful for your faithfulness. There truly is none like you, not in all the heavens, all the earth. Why don't you give him some high praise right now all over the sanctuary. If he's been good to you, if he saved your soul, why don't you open your mouth and give him praise? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. If your neighbor's not praising, tell him, let's magnify Jesus together. Hallelujah. God, we praise your name. God, we praise your name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's really amazing when you live for God any length of time, you really realize his faithfulness. Jeremiah is in a heap of trouble, right? Jerusalem has fallen. The nation is in ruin. Jeremiah is having a pity party. Lamentations lets us know that. He's dealing with deep sorrow, deep hurt, deep pain. Lamentations chapter 3, though, says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I hope in him, friends. That's why we can come to church no matter what's going on in our world because God has been faithful to the end. Amen, amen, and amen. Listen, friends, there is a sanctuary you can run to when your life is going crazy. It's a place called the church. And it's here. To, listen, why do I get up every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, every, every prayer meeting, every service possible? Because this is where I find my joy. This is where I find my hope. This is where I find my strength. And he gives us that strength day after day after day after day after day. His mercies are new and his compassion. Listen, now we, we always just stop there. Lamentations doesn't say his mercies are new every morning. It says it's, uh, it's of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It's his mercies and compassions that are new every morning. Every day we wake up, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Your faithfulness is great. And then I come to his house, and I get strengthened with other believers. Let me just stop, and I want to admonish the church. If, if you ever thought about missing church, now is not the time. If you've ever thought, I think I just lay out of church today. Today is not the day. Now is not the hour. Listen, I believe, the, I believe the coming of the Lord is right around the corner. If there's ever a time where the church needs to be active, it's today. Amen. And the Lord has confirmed this message over and over again in this service. That says, if you do me a favor, will you put your guys' prayer requests up there? This is the first thing I see when I walk through the door, and I knew God was in this message. The last thing that is on the prayer list is revival. I hope I can change a little perspective here by the end of this message. Genesis chapter number 28. Genesis 28, 19, and while you turn there, Genesis 28, 19, I honor your pastor, pastor's wife, brother, sister Motes, love these people dearly. Lots of prayers are going up for y'all. Appreciate your faithfulness to the kingdom of God and to the work of the Lord here in Weeches and, and the kingdom of God at large. 
Genesis chapter 28. All the TBC students, man, I love y'all. It's so cool seeing y'all's face. Uh, man, you guys are some incredible human beings. Pastor Moat said right now there's four TBC students from Weeches. I, I don't know. That might, might be right now. That, that probably is the largest from one single church at TBC right now from Weeches, Texas. I think that's right. It's gonna be, he said there's going to be five in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. And maybe six. Praise the Lord. Oh, God. Do a work. Genesis. That's not why I came today. But somebody said, praise the Lord. Okay. Genesis. Genesis 28. And I'll also be in Genesis 35. And I'll read briskly because I know you're standing. Genesis 28, 28, 19. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The name of that city was Luz the first. And Jacob vowed a vow. Jacob made a promise to God. He said, if God will be with me and will keep me this way, that I go and will give me bread, tea, and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Now, tenth unto thee. Now, this message is not about tithing. Though you should be paying your tithes. Now he can tell me to quit and I'll stop. Okay, I'll go right ahead then. This, is, this message is not about tithing. But if you want to be blessed by God and you, you want God to, dev- to, to curse the devourer for your sake, you need to be paying your tithes. It's biblical. It predated the law. All right, praise God. So he said, Lord, this is your house. And if you'll bless me, I, I'll, give it, I'll give it back to you. Genesis 35. Jacob had been away from God's house for a while. Genesis 35. And God said to Jacob. First passage we read was Jacob talking to God. Now after some time, God speaks to Jacob. He said, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who hath answered me in the day of my distress and was with me when I went, uh, which way I went. Verse 7. And he built there an altar and called the name of the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. This morning, I will preach shortly, I promise, if you'll help me, from a very simple subject entitled, How to Have Revival. How to Have Revival. Father, we love you, Lord. We come before your presence one more time with thanksgiving in our hearts and our souls. I pray the Spirit of God would impact and touch every single one of these hearts. I pray for the glory of God to shine in this place. Jesus, if we've needed you, Lord, we need you now. I pray your spirit would be in this sanctuary, and I pray it would be evident with signs following. Jesus, we come before you out of thanksgiving, and we need you today, and I pray the power of God would bless these people. Amen. And everybody said in Jesus' name, God bless you. If you want to know how to have revival, be seated, but don't stay seated too long. All right, we need to talk about what we mean by when we say revival because I hear it I hear it said time and time and time again that the church or we need revival. Now, as most of you already know, the word revival is not mentioned in scripture. Okay, you already knew that good. Okay, I'm glad I'm amongst friends. However, the base word revive is 
Unfortunately, we misuse revival when we're often talking about harvest. Harvest and revival are very different things. Thus, when we say the church needs revival, we are not talking about sinners coming and repenting in these altars, but rather we are talking about me and we are talking about we waking up to what this world needs. Friends, can I tell you that this world needs the church to have revival. So what is revival then? Thank you for asking. Revival is the power of God that infiltrates our lives and our homes, thus awakening a slumbering church. Revival is the saturation of the, of the body of Christ with the anointing of God that produces active believers. Revival is the prompting and the prodding of the Holy Ghost to awaken the spiritual giant from its slumber to radically transform the landscape of the area when I tell you that the church needs revival. The church, that's me and that's you. We need to come alive again. Friends, if there was a day that the world needed the church to be on fire for God, it is right now and it's today. If you look and you survey the world and you survey America, it's not getting much better, but rather it's growing worse. And if there was a day where you should say, soul, it's time to wake up to what God is doing, it's today. God have if there was a day and time that the church needed to wake up to what's happening in our world, it is right now and it is right here. You see, revival comes from a Latin word that means to live, but more specifically, it means to live again. Now listen, listen, I hope not to mess up your theology, but it caused you to think the world can't experience revival because they're dead. It's to awaken, to live, to come up, to awaken again. The church needs, or the world needs salvation while the church needs revival. And dare I say that if the church wakes up, there's no telling how much salvation will be all over the area of weeches if the church would come alive and say, God, would you awaken us from our slumber? See, the idea is something that has fallen asleep or becoming drowsy, and it's caused to become awake again. It's a recommitment to God in an altar saying, God, I have become cold and complacent. Would you cause me to be awakened, and would you let that fire burn? But friends, listen, please hear me. I guarantee you there is nothing more the devil loves than a church that is a because his job is a whole lot easier but you let it happen in Weeches, Texas where the drug addicts are getting filled and getting baptized you let it happen where the prostitutes are getting filled y'all aren't helping me preach now you let it happen that those out there who are bound by chains of sin you let them start breaking apart and the world says what is happening and the devil starts to run when the church awakens 
But as long as the church remains drowsy, we are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. We find several instances in the Bible where it talks about being revived. There's three specifically I'm going to talk about. And I hear it and I know what we mean by it. And so I mean not to, I mean not to be disrespectful to anyone because I understand what we mean when we say we need revival. The, the problem is that's the second part. You need to stop praying we need revival until you first pray I need revival. Psalm 138 7 says, Revive me, O God. We pray, God, we need revival. And God's saying, I know that, but you need revival. You need to personally be awakened to what's happening in our world and what's happening to houses all over Weeches. And if you can be awake, that's when you then pray what the psalmist said, where he said, Lord, then would you revive us? And then it not just stops with revive us, but then it says in Habakkuk, would you revive thy work? But it starts with me first. It starts with me saying, God, if I become sleepy or if I become sinful or if I become complacent or if I become unholy, Lord, would you revive me in weeches first? And dare I say, if everyone in the building, you would start with that prayer saying, God, would you revive me first? Would you light me on fire so the world can watch me burn? Friends, there is no telling what will happen in the area of weeches if you as the body of Christ get on fire individually for Jesus You see, if we can ever get to that place where we say, God, I don't care what my neighbor does. See, that's the problem is we start talking collectively, and it's good. And I know what we mean, but the problem is, is if I say, Lord, would you give us revival? If my neighbor doesn't want it, that's where I come in and say, Lord, I don't care what my neighbor wants. I have to have revival for me personally, regardless what the person across the pew does, regardless of what sister so-and-so does, regardless of what brother so-and-so does. I have to be revived. God have mercy. And if we ever can get to the place where we individually are all on fire for Jesus Christ, there is no telling the harvest that will be that will be reaped in a week. As you see, friends, you've received prophecy. Hear me now. Uh, you've received prophecy after prophecy of what God is going to do here. But friends, that prophecy is dependent on you waking up to what God is wanting to do in this community and if you can fall in line individually with the purpose and the plan of God for this area this building won't contain the harvest of souls that are going to happen if you will say God let me be a vessel of that prophecy oh God I need you to lift your hands right now all over this place the spirit of God is in this building I wish you would be somebody, you individually, if you would embody the prophecy of God that he's given you in weeches, where you say, God, if you're going to do it, do it through me. Would you wake my soul up, oh God? Oh 
Jesus, there it is right there. Why don't you tap into that for just a second? Hallelujah. God, would you wake us up? Lord, we need revival. Lord, I need revival. the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Let's just wait on the Lord for a second, church. I need you to be sensitive to God right now. Jesus. Will you lift your voice and receive the word of the Lord? Oh, God, oh, God. Hallelujah. Would you draw deeper right there? God's calling you to deeper depths. See, I'm talking to you. Yes, if you're wondering if I'm talking to you, I am. God is calling you to deeper depths here in the name of Jesus. God, would you revive me? God, would you revive me? Take me deeper, oh God. 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 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I believe the word of the Lord is true. I think he just confirmed that, so I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep preaching because there's some things I want to tell you. If, we want to have, if you want to have revival, there's some lesser lesson we're going to learn here. If you want to have revival, hear me, please listen closely. If you want to have revival, the first thing you have to do is make God's house a priority again and stop living on the periphery. If you want to have personal revival, you have to make God's house your priority again and stop living on the periphery, stop living on the perimeter. Several years, Jacob lingered right outside of Bethel. And if you read Jacob's story, it's when he forgot about the house of God, he forgot about the ways of God. And when he forgot about the ways of God, that's when there was a lot of gross sin that entered his home. You see, friends, we can't make any excuse about not making God's house. This place is a holy place, a priority in our life. That's why if pastor says, we're fixing to have a prayer meeting, the entire church should show up, not just a select few. If you want individual personal revival, you individually have to make up in your mind that this house is my priority. I don't want to allow anything to come in between me and my relationship with God or my relationship with God's house. And somebody should say amen. You see, it's those of you who are living on the periphery and you're wondering why things aren't going your way. God is saying if you would get back to loving my house again, there is no telling what will happen. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and the things that are keeping you up at night, those things seem to dissipate. But here was the problem with Jacob. He had lived some 10 miles. Now, see, here's what I would think, bro. That sounds good enough, doesn't it? Isn't that good enough? Aren't I close enough to the house of God that I should be okay? Friends, I don't know about you, but there's nobody that says, oh, I think this is good enough. I think it's good enough. I'm close enough to the fire. I can still see the flames. Though I'm not warm myself, I'm cold because I'm living too far away and God is trying to draw the church back. You need to go back to where you found me and you need to go back to your first love and go back to that place where you experienced a personal transformation. You see, some of you want to be close. You want to be close. You're okay with being identified. Oh, 
God help me preach right now. You're okay with being identified as a child of God as long as nothing is required of you. I'm okay being identified as one of those that go to that church in Weeches as long as nothing from the pulpit is required from me. But once it is, I'll just camp on the outside for a while. I can look the part. I can clap it all. And listen, I'm going to tell you something about the church in Weeches. You're really good about being right when right is needed. You know when to clap, you know when to shout, you know when to praise, you know when to dance. But friends, there's a time where the rubber meets the road and no one's clapping and no one's shouting and no one's praising. And that's where you say, God, I'm not going to get caught up in emotionalism, but rather I have got to go deeper in your spirit. I don't want to just look the part. I don't want to look like I'm apostolic, but God, I want to be immersed in everything that you are. You see, it's easy, right? It's easy to clap when everyone else is clapping. But what happens when you drag yourself to the church and no one else is here and you say, God, I am going to have a personal revival in this house regardless. See, if you have that good enough mentality, what can I just can I just 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 barely skate by and still make it friends? Let me tell you that God is challenging you today. You hear me preach. God is challenging you today. Throw out that good enough mentality. Throw out the what's the least I can do and still be safe and say, God, what is the most I could do to be pleasing? Jacob was close. Listen, he was close. He was right there. It was a day's journey for him. And he lived some not, not, uh, he lived some 10 years, 10 years on the periphery. And he got into a world of trouble in his own home. And it was then that God spoke to him and said, Jacob, you want this wrong to be righted. You go to my house and you go there now. Because living on the edge... Is not good enough for God. You see, no, no one in here, no, none of you want just a good enough job. Well, well you know, it just, it just barely pays it. It's just good enough. No one in here wants a good enough friendship. No one in here wants a, oh, well, my relationship with my spouse is good enough. It's, it's okay. You don't want that, and frankly, neither does God. You see, if some of you went to your spouse and said, listen, baby, I love you, but what's the least I can do? What's the least I could do and stay married to you? Is 50 weeks okay? I just get two by myself. I need some me time. Is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are like, we'd be, we'd be planning some funerals. <laughs> told, listen, I told my wife when we got married, I don't believe in divorce. I do believe in murder. All right. Right, but I wonder how many of us treat God that way. Lord, what's the least I could do and still be okay with you? See, all right, I'm fixing to mess y'all up real bad. This is not the maximum. This is the minimum. 
on top of this, I say, God, what else can I give you? That's not in this word. What else can I consecrate to you? What is the most I can do to be pleasing to you? And if you'll get that mentality, the house of God will be no issue. Why? Because it's in this house that I experience joy. It's in this, again, it's in this house. I experience happiness. I experience salvation. And that's why this is, this is, this is my reasonable, my reasonable service. Meaning it's, it, it, for everything that God's done for me, why would I then not in turn want to make him and his house a priority to again in my life so the first thing if you individually want revival you make God's house a priority the second thing and God tells Jacob he said you remove those strange idols from your house oh a little quiet now that's all right he said you remove them God gave him a commandment put away the strange idols Jacob caused a time, called for a time of cleansing in his home to get rid of the idolatry that he had allowed. There's no question that he taught about God and his promises, but somewhere along the way, he allowed idolatry in his own home. Friends, if we want individual revival, we have got to remove the things we have Placed above God. That's all right. You see, we often mock and criticize the Israelites. Them silly Israelites. I can't believe. They, they always going down and worshiping Baal. And then God delivers them. And then they go right back to Ashtoreth. And God delivers them. And they go to the God of the Egyptians. And then God delivers them again. And they're like, those silly Israelites. I would never do that. I'll prove it to you. Oh, God, would you deliver me from what I look like, from what I watch on this? And then God does. And you go right back to that, that idol called image, right? And God's saying, if you would lay aside everything you've put in front of me, there is no telling where I'll take you in the spirit. But I can't take you there if you have things in your life that are more important to you than me. So we say, oh, well, listen, okay, that's all right. I'm comfortable right now. You see, none of you would ever bow down and worship a statue of Buddha. I really believe that. I believe that none of you would ever, would ever bow down and, and worship Shiva from, from Hinduism. I believe that. But I wonder how many of us sacrifice ourselves on the altar of success. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to bow to Buddha, but I'll bow to money. I won't, I won't bow to Shiva, but I'll bow to success. Pastor, I'm sorry. I can't make it. I got something else going on. You see, friends, anytime that something takes preeminence in your life above God, that thing to you is an idol. And here today, God is calling the church to remove your strange idols and to make him a priority again in your life. If it's Facebook, remove Facebook. If it's video games, remove video games. If it's work, get a different job. Friends, there is nothing more important to your soul than Jesus Christ. So just like Jacob, after hearing the word of God, said it's time to clean a house. Friends, today it's time to take some inventory for we say, God, what have I placed ahead of you? Is there anything in my world? 
Is there anything in my world that I've placed over you? Is there anything that I'm sacrificing my life to that's not on your altar? God, have I made money? Have I made preeminence? Have I made sin? Have I made power? What have I placed above you, God? Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me... Oh, God. You see, friends, I believe that here in just a minute, God's going to call us to a time of evaluation. Because if we want revival, if we want it individually, then we have to look at our own lives and say, God, what have I put inside of me? And what have I put ahead of you that I've allowed to, I've allowed myself to serve? Because if I've put something ahead of you, oh God, would you remove it from me? And would you once again deliver me from where I am? And Jesus, would you allow me to strip off all of these idols and all of these chains that have me bound? So if you want revival individually, it's time to look at your priorities. It's time to look at your phones. It's time to look at your computers. It's time to say, God, what have I placed over you? Friends, please hear my heart today. Please hear me. I'm not rebuking the church. But friends, I don't want you to live in sin. And I most certainly don't want you to live in idolatry. So it's time for us individually to start laying things aside where we can say, God, what have I placed over you? And lastly, 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 there's two things in this last one. Genesis 35.1, and God said... And God said, you missed it. Revival for Jacob was initiated by the word of God. Revival was initiated for Jacob by a word from God. Thus, Anytime your man of God stands behind this pulpit and says, Thus saith the word of the Lord, your first thought should not be, I wonder who he's preaching to. Your first thought should be, God, how can this word apply to me? Because if you want revival individually, it it always comes by an initiation from the word of God. It may be God's man or it may be God's word. But friends, if you want revival, it's time once again to recommit yourself to your man of God and recommit yourself to the word of God where you say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. God, whatever is in your word, this is the minimum. How can I do the maximum? And here's what God told him. So it's initiated by the word of God. And then here's what God tells him. He says, you go back to Bethel, which you know means the house of God. And there, it's there you're going to build an altar again. Thus, individual revival it centers around the altar that we build in our life. So if you want individual revival, you don't make these benches something that only sinners come to. 
You don't make this area something only those who are who need who need healing come to. You don't make these areas something only addicts come to, but rather you make these altars your home where you say, God, I'm going to sacrifice myself on this altar for Listen, 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 because we get this misconception in the church and it really is a tragedy and a travesty why we do this and how we do this. We say these altars, listen, well, if sister so-and-so, if she'd only go to the altar, she could get a breakthrough. Instead of saying, I hope sister so-and-so goes, but whether she goes or not, you're going to have to peel me off this altar. Because this is where I go to have an encounter with God. That's what happened with Jacob. He had an encounter with God and he built an altar for another encounter with God. Altars were so places of encounter. Altars were places of forgiveness. Altars were places of covenant. Altars were places of intercession. And altars were places of worship. You hear me preach now. True individual revival promotes the altar. And the altar promotes worship. And worship promotes sacrifice. Revival, revival, revival promotes worship. Revival promotes the altar. The altar promotes worship. Worship promotes sacrifice. That's why when you approach God, it's laying yourself, as the New Testament says, as a living sacrifice. I literally, friends, I have literally crawled on the altar all by myself and grabbed it and said, God, I want to be a living sacrifice. Whatever you want to do with Jeremy Gilliam, God would should do it because I've got to have all of you that I can get. So if you truly want individual revival, it's going to come from a word from God and then it's going to come from you placing yourself once again on an altar of worship and that worship is going to require that something in you die. God, I need revival. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God, I need revival. Oh, God, I need revival. Oh, God, I need revival. In the name of Jesus. So some of you have been saying, well, preacher, what can I do now? Friends, the first thing, I want you to purpose in your mind, Lord, your house is my priority. The second thing, here in just a minute, we're going to have the opportunity to reevaluate our lives. And if we've placed idols ahead of God, I want you to remove them from your heart. If you got to signify it by burning something, you burn something. You throw it away. You do whatever you got to do to make sure that you have strange idols removed. And then you make the altar a priority. And if you if your altar's been broken down, you hear me, maybe it's been a bit since you've been back to the altar. If your altar's broken down, it's time to pick up some new stones. And it's time to repair that altar where you can say, God, here on this altar, I'm working in and fixing today. I offer myself a sacrifice. Let's stand. We're going to do a couple of things.
Leviticus chapter number 9. And here's what I do hope happens. I do hope. I really mean this sincerely. I hope here in the next four minutes, the entire church body is in the altar. Here's what we're going to do. Leviticus chapter number 9. If you want God to work in your life, it's going to happen in this altar today. I got a couple amen. Some of y'all believe it. If you want God to work in your life, it's going to happen in this altar today. Because if you will purpose in your heart that God is my priority, if you will remove those strange idols, which we're going to do, and you will make this place a, an altar of worship, intercession, and sacrifice, God is going to move on your behalf. Will you receive that word? Listen to this. Listen to this. Leviticus chapter number 9, verse number 6. And Moses said this. Listen to what Moses said. He said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Listen, listen, listen. That you should do. The Lord commanded you should do this. And the, the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. So if you'll do this, the glory of God's going to fall on you. We're going to do it here in this altar. He gave us three things. We're going to do, we're going to do these together. And then I want you to make your way to this altar. And God is going to move on your behalf. You ready? Listen, watch. Leviticus 9, 22. And Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering. He offered three offerings and the glory of God fell. The sin offering, this is an offering of repentance. God, what have I placed ahead of you? Lord, give me one second, please. And we're going to pray together as a collective body, but individually. Listen, repentance it's not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance requires a change of direction. God, I have been doing this wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm going to turn and go toward you. So here for the next 30 seconds, would you pray with me? And, and offering a sin offering today. Father.